Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and lived the lives they deserve. Because of that, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa with no opportunities, just sheer hard work, to failing multiple startups yet learning a whole lot to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant. I've lost everything twice, and now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Forbes Technology Council, Harvard, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. Everyone is welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Dr. Lance Cummings. Dr. Cummings is an associate professor in the professional writing program at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, where he researches and teaches writing in technologically and linguistically complex environments. Many of his current publications look at the interrelationship between technology, writing, and cultural history, and can be found in journals like Rhetoric, professional communication and globalization, computers and writing, and res rhetorica. Dr. Cummings has more recently been exploring how the rise of the creator economy has changed digital writing. So he writes about AI workflows for creatives looking to develop original and differentiated content online. Dr. Cummings, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me on this podcast. This is going to be fun. I agree. I'm ready. I feel blessed and grateful, optimistic, (laughs) and going (laughs) to enjoy this a lot. So to you, and let's take it to basics. What is the story of AI workflows and all that making creativity or the work of writers or creators within the creator economy easier, better, different? Tell me more. Yeah, so uh, I've really just started exploring artificial writing tools um, just out of curiosity. I started playing around with them. And, uh, and I really started thinking about them in our heads. We often think about artificial writing. Oh, it's going to be this robot that is, uh, just generating material. Um, we've even maybe seen some articles that artificial, uh, you know, writers have created. We interact with, you know, robo chatbots and things like that. Um, but the more I played around with many of these tools, uh, they looked more like, uh, what we would call in my field inventional tools. So especially for people who are experienced uh, with writing uh, and are doing lots of it, uh, it's easy to see artificial intelligence as more of a creative tool. 
um, than necessarily, you know, a replacement for writers or, you know, it's often sold as, you know, you can write a blog in, uh, you know, 10 minutes and be done. So it's kind of this idea that it makes our, that makes the, uh, the, the, uh, the tedious work of writing easier for us. Um, which I think in some degree it can, and it, and it can be that tool. But what I found what most powerful about artificial writing tools is the way that it can generate new ideas, um, which is obviously part of the writing process, and, and also uh, offer up many more possibilities. So in my field, so I study a rhetorical theory, which actually goes way back to uh, ancient Greece. And uh, and, you know, so I do a lot of research in the writing process, and we often ignore the, the one of the most important stages is, is the inventional stage, um, coming up with ideas, figuring out what we're going to say. And, um, you know, we, we get across that by, uh, we, you know, we do a lot of things to come up with ideas. You know, we go chat with people on Twitter. We uh, read some articles on Wikipedia. We do research at the library. We Google uh, we talk to our friends. We talk to, uh, we listen to podcasts like this one. Um, uh, we go chat with people on LinkedIn. Well, I think artificial intelligence is just going to be another one of those things in the writing process sometime soon, actually. Um, and so one of the things I'm trying to hash out with my writing uh, these days is, is to help creatives uh, and writers understand how to use artificial intelligence uh, in a way that uh, creates, uh, generates creative and innovative material. It's not just about, you know, creating uh, boring and tedious uh, a copy, which is a lot of times how we think about it. Thank you. And I like where you're going. I'll play the devil's advocate a little bit, which <laughs> is this. Two things. Either, well, the, those tools cost, uh, you know, a pretty penny. So why not do something like the Edward de Bono where you get a random word from the dictionary and mix it with your ideas to generate something new is totally free and all that. Or I will say the other argument would be we live in a chaotic world. We don't decide which ideas are wonderful. It's the marketplace or the Twitterverse or whatever who decides that. So how can AI ever be as cool or useful or whatever as checking what is trending right now and when it comes to tweets or when it comes to anything we want to write about and somehow create a variation on that because it's proven to be working. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily say that AI replaces those techniques, um, uh, and but I would... The first example, I think, is an interesting one. So you're picking a random word and integrating it into your into your thought process, um, which actually reflects a lot of other inventional techniques that, you know, uh, that actually I parallel with artificial intelligence. So, for example, thinking about surrealist activities, if you've ever heard of the surrealist poets, um, they would basically do random things to come up with new ideas. So uh, there's this exquisite corpse exercise where you write a line of poetry, a couple lines of poetry, you leave the last line visible and then fold the paper over so nobody knows what was written before that. And then you continue the poem uh, and then you keep folding it over. And then when you open it up, you've got this really interesting poem that nobody would have created uh, without that tool. 
Well, I've actually been toying around with writing poetry with AI, which is definitely not how the, the these AI programs were necessarily pitched or built for. And uh, and what I find interesting is that the uh, the interesting connection I would never have come up with just by doing any of those activities, and also really the being able to see many different choices networked together in the AI tool, um, while also you know editing it for meaning, uh, is really an interesting process that I th- I think uh, even as AI tools get more developed, I think. Uh, they'll they'll continue to be able to form us. I I don't think I don't think AI is necessarily going to take over all these things, but um, but I think it's going to play an important role in how we come up with ideas. Now, as far as uh, you know, figuring out what's going to fly on Twitter or Medium or you know that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know that AI is uh, at least from my experience so far is necessarily going to help us uh, generate that kind of that part of the ideas. Um, because, uh, and I think in many ways I see the artificial intelligence as a collaboration between the writer and this, uh, you know, large language model machine that we have. And, uh, and it's not really going to know, uh, what's trending. There are some tools in there that's supposed to help you figure that out. But, uh, I, I guess I'm less concerned with, you know, what's trending and more concerned about how can I tweak and and think about my ideas in a different in different ways that I can then go test out on Twitter or test out on medium and see and see how that works um, and uh, you know I think that's one of the things that uh, writers have to understand about artificial writing intelligence is that uh, tools that you have to really think about uh, the rhetorical what we call the rhetorical situation so who's the audience what's the message? What are they going to get out of it? Um, and the clearer you are about that, the more of that you can put into the AI and the better results that you're going to get. So like, we still have to figure out what we're writing about, why we're going to write it, and who's going to care. Um, the AI is not going to figure that out for us. Um, in fact, the AI will work better if we can give it input that shows it what those uh what those factors are. And so in a sense, I, I also see AI, I haven't used this in the classroom yet, but I, I probably will soon. Um, but it does force students or first writers to think about that rhetorical situation. Who's the audience? What's it for? And why is it important? And, you know, in the classroom, this is often what's missing from student writing that makes it either boring, not interesting, or just bad, is that they don't have an idea who the audience is you know, what the message is and what's it for. And uh, I think thinking about that relationship with AI forces us to think about those those rhetorical relationships and can actually be a learning tool to uh, to hone this ability. Um, I was just th- reading a uh, article about, uh, you know, about, we're actually starting to think about this um, in the university because we're thinking, well, we're going to have these students using artificial intelligence tools to write essays pretty soon if they aren't already, right? Um, and so, if you type into an artificial writing intelligence tool, uh, you know the question or uh, the example that I saw was comparing uh, Freud with Rogers, right? Um, what's the difference between these two psychologists? Um, well, the AI does a pretty good job writing text for that. Um, but when I look at that prompt, that is a terrible writing prompt for a student. 
you know, oh, here, student, uh, compare these two psychologists. It's not interesting. They're, we're not giving the student why you would want to compare those two psychologists or who would even care. Um, and so I actually would never give that prompt in the classroom, um, but uh, uh, I would try, we'd try to give students, um, you know, why would you want to compare and frame that in a way that's interesting. And I think bringing artificial intelligence writing tools into the, into the teaching process can actually help students uh, think about those rhetorical processes. So how do you, do you get the AI to generate something that's uh, rhetorically interesting or uh, fits into the context that you're thinking about? Thank you. So if I understood it correctly, well, the whole writing process will stay the same as the best practices are, except instead of you waiting from, for some divine inspiration or using some clunky tools or old ways of doing things, you use AI as a way to inject new ideas into your thought process. And I have, again, to speak about Edward de Bono, how he explains creativity, that our brains have these pathways of thinking that are difficult to break. So if we hear something or whatever, we will keep on thinking the same thoughts or going through the same pathways in the brain or same veins. So it's difficult to be creative. And that's why jumping randomly onto a word or adding some randomness into the process will somehow link parts of your brain that were not linked before. And therefore, those pathways will expand and give you those new ideas, which is like to him, what is uh, the process of creativity? It's basically, we are somehow machines that are well-oiled for our usual ways of thinking. And if we want new thoughts, we have to jump randomly on other like pathways of our brain to link them to those usual, usual thoughts. And on our journeys within our brains, we will pass through an area of thought we didn't think about before because it wasn't linked to what was happening. Uh, so... Can you share how can AI, like you're exploring it concretely, let's say I want to write a tweet today. What will be the process? I know the audience. Um, how can I use AI to move forward? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I think, I do think that artificial intelligence uh, doesn't automatically uh, generate creativity. Um, like what you're saying. Uh, I think you've summed that the creativity part up quite well. Um, uh, it's how we use AI. So, and and uh, I often say it's the right use of AI. I think you can use AI in a way that's going to reinforce ways of thinking. Um, uh, it's not going to automatically generate new ideas. Um, so the process, but if you jump into the process, and I think that's where you know the right use of AI comes in, um, is uh, you open up your AI writer and uh, there's a lot of different kinds of tools out there. They all look kind of different. Um, but uh, uh, you know, the main thing is there will be some sort of place where you would put in context. So this could be, uh, you know, you come up with a, a headline. And oftentimes when I, when I do a, a headline, uh, I wanna try to make sure that it's obvious in the headline who the audience is, what they're going to get out of it and you know what's in there and which is generally good practice for writing headlines online anyway um and so if you get all that into the headline and put that into the ai generator it's going to give you it's more likely to give you things that uh that align with that uh, audience and purpose so that 
that's kind of one of the simpler ways to use AI. And uh, or or if it's a tweet, uh, that would be the other thing. Um, you could uh, sometimes you could put in uh, you can write a tweet, and you might think, oh, well, that's really not really that interesting. Um, I'm put it into AI, and it'll rewrite it four or five times um, to see. And uh, uh, the tool that I have, and I think a lot of them have this now, is uh, you can change the creativity setting. So you can have it rewrite it, um, but not really change much of the ideas. Um, or you can turn creativity on, and you know, and it starts guessing at new ideas um, uh, each time it rewrites the tweet. So um, that would be uh, kind of the simplest ways of doing that. I think one of the most interesting uh, functions of AI right now, also in thinking about you know the no code environment, right, is that you can actually start to uh, you know one way to program your AI is to make sure that it's clear in your input who the audience and and uh, and context is. But now uh, in some uh, in some uh, AI generators, you can create what's called frameworks, and this is simply finding. So say you want to write a lead-in tweet that tells a story. So find four or five lead-in tweets that tell a story, uh, maybe ones that you've written before. Um, you can actually put it into uh, what's called a framework um, in the app that I use. Um, you could probably just put it in the editor in some of the other apps. And then, uh, and then you uh, have the AI uh, write, usually it says write for me, something like that. And, uh, and it'll take in all those things into account as long as it can tell that uh, each of those instances are different instances. So I've actually created poetry generator like this. So I take in uh, you know, five of my favorite surrealist poems, for example, um, and put that in the framework. Uh, and then you put an input. So it might be uh, the keyword for the day might be treasure, for example. And now it's going to write four or five uh, poems that it thinks it kind of matches surrealist poems uh, using thinking about the word treasure. And, uh, and results may vary. <laughs> uh, but and then one of the things I like to do is if I find one that really works, or I usually it's more like I find a couple lines that really work. Uh, or even parts of lines. And then, then I start patching together a poem out of that. And then I add it to the framework. And slowly the AI is kind of learning how to write a surrealist, uh, a surrealist poem. So, uh, uh, so another thing people can do with some of these tools is actually start creating frameworks for things that you consistently want to write um, and, uh, and kind of train it just like you would uh, intern, for example, train it to uh, to think through those genres and to and to make some guesses, basically of you know what a poem might, you know what that the output might be. Was that concrete enough? <laughs> Thank you. I have still so many questions. This is fascinating for me. So I'll ask two, which are two different like criticisms that could be to this approach. One of them will be the hardcore traditionalist writer who says if writing or creativity or the inspiration doesn't come from the collective subconscious or from my inner core or from my poetry demon or whatever they have, <laughs> or then it's not real and all this is just a distraction and uh, an artist uses his pain to come up with ideas and all that. What would be your answer to such people? And secondly, do you believe that text and writing 
still has its place nowadays in a time where people are living, um, consuming 15-second TikToks and short audios and all that. So to you, do you feel it's timeless? It will always have its place? Or it's something more archaic for the few and that people nowadays are more about entertainment, more about uh, short instant gratification consumption? Uh, yeah, so the first question is really interesting one and one that I've recently been exploring. Um, and uh, it really goes back to, you know, what are our beliefs about language? What are our beliefs about creativity? If we're thinking about poetry, for example, you know, uh, you know, what do we believe about poetry? Does it come from, you know, the soul, um, my heart? Um, does it come from my uh, brain? Uh, does it, is it just a bunch of language out there that I happen to mash together? Um, there are all sorts of different, uh, what we would call rhetorical perspectives on poetry and, or even language, um, it, the, the relationship between language and reality, right? And I suppose this is why I'm more open to artificial intelligence. I don't think you can separate, uh, you know, our creativity from, uh, or, you know, what we're trying to communicate from the networked reality around us. So, uh, you know, it doesn't come just from inside of our soul. <laughs> uh, you know, anything that we write, uh, including poetry, is influenced by things we've read, people we've talked to, uh, things going on in the room while we're writing, perhaps. Uh, it's going to be influenced by the tools we used. Poetry changed uh, when we started using word processors. Uh, uh, poetry changed when we started writing. <laughs> Right. So uh, there's a uh, the relationship between technology and writing uh, is co-constitutive is what we would say. They make each other up. You can't we, we do have this idea in our culture that writing is a thing that exists outside of technology, outside of sociology, uh, society. Um, it, you know, so good writing is just good writing and we can abstract it. Right. But uh, writing can't be abstracted from technology. It can't be abstracted from, from, uh, from society, culture, and things like that. And so uh, uh, AI comes along, and uh, it's going to be a part of our, the way we write, whether we like it or not. It's important that we uh, be, be able to think about, well, what is its role in writing and, and, to, and to talk about it. So I always use the example... Uh, Socrates, uh, you know, Socrates and Plato, they came around just as writing was being invented uh, or being used more widespread. And uh, Socrates was like, uh, writing's going to ruin everybody's memory. It's a it's it's uh, this technology is going to ruin society as we know it because nobody's going to be able to remember anything. Well, as you know, uh, it, that's that didn't happen. It changed the way we remember things. Um, and uh, you, one could argue the printing press is the same way. Uh, there are many people who were against the printing press and how wide, how that would uh, open up, you know, this idea, ideas of exchange and things like that. Web 2.0, same arguments. Uh, uh, you know, uh, texting it's going to ruin how kids uh, write because everybody's going to be uh, using emojis and stuff. Well, you know, it turns out. People are able to code switch between uh, messaging and writing emails or papers. So, uh, so all the detrimental things that that are predicted when a new te technology comes along, uh, 
generally just doesn't come true. It's about not about the technology itself is not good or bad. It's how we use that technology. Um, and so it all comes down to, you know, how we see the relationship between uh, our writing and the AI. And so, uh, and so that's, that, that's how I would, uh, and so in terms of poetry and things like that, um, I would say we're already writing poems in relationship with technology and AI is just another, uh, another bit of that technology that's going to uh, change what we can do with poetry, really. And that probably goes along with your second question as well. It's, you know, we, we say, uh, um, you know, the, the attention economy, you know, nobody can, you know, pay attention for more than, uh, you know, two minutes. Uh, people don't like to read as much because, you know, we've got TikTok and all that. Well, I would say, uh, uh, yes, I would say writing and text is going to be around <laughs> uh, for, for much, much longer, forever, maybe. I don't know. But, um, uh, but, but it's, you know, it's not going to ruin the way that we write and communicate. It's going to change the way we write and communicate. And actually what I'm seeing online, especially in the creator economy, is that uh, there's more writing going on than there was, you know, 10 years ago online. People are writing their own content. Um, and, uh, people are reading more. It's just that you, uh, you pick and choose what you read now, right? You're not reading, everybody's not reading that big novel. Um, uh, some people are, some people aren't. Um, and, and also the other thing that's changing is how we think about text. So, um, thinking about this no code podcast, for example, I actually think that, you know, uh, writing isn't already writing is not just about writing text. If I'm going to write an article, I have to think about what photographs go in there, how to format it, what the headings are going to look like, what font to use. Do I put a video in there? Uh, so if I'm creating a website, I'm doing more than just text. So writing isn't just about writing text. Um, it's about using different modes of meaning, uh, audio, video, and things like that. But with this no code uh, uh, stuff on the rise, I would say uh, being a writer also means constructing the spaces in which you write or constructing the spaces in which you communicate. So uh, no longer are we going to be just using WYSIWYGs um, to format. We are actually going to be starting to build those spaces, I think. Um, and being a writer isn't just going to be about writing text. It's going to be about maybe creating Notion templates, uh, creating artificial writing uh, frameworks, uh, uh, because you know who you know who would be the best at writing a uh, uh, constructing a Notion template or writing an AI framework. It's going to be good writers. Um, those are going to be the ones that are going to be the best uh, able to do that. Because creating a Notion template requires you know who your audience is, what what you're trying to do, and what they're going to get out of it, and how you're going to deliver that to people. Same thing for a video. Same thing for an AI framework. Um, so uh, so yeah, I, I don't think. Uh, writing text is going to go away, but all those things that go into writing, uh, you know, writing text uh, applies across the board. Um, and you know, I suppose AI writing tools are just a small piece of that, but uh, I think it's a very interesting one. Thank you. I love this very much. This conversation is magnificently modern in many ways. Where is the intersection between technology? something like rhetoric which you spoke about is like thousands of years old as well as writing and then to ask you because 
any person who becomes an expert actually uses a metaphor for what they're doing that allows them to perform at levels that novices cannot. So what is writing for you? Is it self-expression? Is it creating like a new landscape? Is it like a journey on a train, a safari? I don't know how your mind thinks about it. But if you were to explain how your soul or your brain or your mind or whatever you want to call it approaches writing in order for you to be comfortable with AI and technology, as well as loving poetry and creating new ideas, how would you describe it metaphorically? So uh, the, the metaphor I've just recently used is, uh, is within an interactive network or within ecology. So um, if, if, uh, if I, uh, uh, I am always writing, I guess ecology would be a, a, a more visual metaphor, right? So um, the way that we're always writing uh, within a physical, psychological, social, technological, linguistic, cultural context, uh, very complicated. Um, we try to simplify writing into something that's, you know, just from the soul or whatever. But uh, in the end, we're, we're, it's a complex act that's happening within a, a, an ecology um, that's always changing. Uh, um, and, uh, and it's all about interaction. So I, I, in a recent piece I wrote, like, if I'm a writer sitting in the woods, I have nothing to write with and nobody to read what I'm writing. Am I really a writer? Not really, right? You need you need technology and you need an audience and you need a network um, uh, of interaction to develop that writing and also to get people out there uh, to interact and read with your writing. So, uh, you know, I post something on Twitter. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe that I can say that that comes from my own brain. I've thought about it. Um, but there's all sorts of other things that have uh, influenced that, you know, my education, things I've done in the past, uh, the applications that I'm using, the people I'm talking with. Um, but then I put it out in the, in, into the Twitter and other people interact with that and I, I get new ideas. It becomes a new part of that ecology, a new part of that network. Um, and it's constantly kind of building on itself. So just like ecology is in the real world, um, you know, it's always changing. It's never going to be the same. Um, we can uh, we can make it better in some ways. Sometimes we make it worse in other ways. Um, but it's always changing. Uh, and, but in order to to uh, really do good things um, for the environment, for example, we have to think intentionally about what we're doing with that ecology. I'm going to say that's the same way with writing. If I want to be a really a, a good writer. If I want other people to interact with my writing, then I need to be cognizant of the different, uh, the different uh, uh, ecologies, the different things around uh, around that writing, and be intentional about, about what I'm doing with it. So that's kind of one way I'm approaching artificial intelligence. It's a it's going to be it's going to be a thing. It's already in our email programs, and so uh, it's going to be a part of our ecology, uh, whether we like it or not. So it's important that we think about you know, what role that's going to play, um, you know, as creators, as students, as professors, you know, whoever we are, it's going to be uh, important to be intentional about what we do with uh, AI in the future. I love that. It reminds me of Dune, where many argue that uh, the series is not about technology, it's about ecology, or even more, 
what I perceived from you is that you view human beings as a process that is constantly influenced but by everything that is existing that they're exposed to and writing is just an expression of a state of being or a state of ecological influence in that time and it's changing minute by minute interaction by interaction through people evolving in understanding and therefore writing in many ways could be like a probe into the environment expressing the image you see right now and the environment will tell you more where you'll put colors here you'll put new bushes there and you'll see more of the map in this way did i understand correctly oh yeah that's that was a great <laughs> great summary i and i would say that that's what digital writers are doing so one of the things i'm trying to do also is uh i'm researching you know this creator economy um uh people writing you know if you've heard of ship 30 people writing essays one essay a day for 30 days um that's really what it's all about it's not about like communicating that great idea that you finally came up with which you know i think about this in dissertations too like oh that dissertation has to be that life-changing thing that uh changes the field well not not really it's just a part of the process of you becoming a you know a a uh, expert in something um, and that's a lot, way a lot of creator uh, content creators are are, are approaching uh, digital writing now. It's uh, it's you know just write your idea for the day and see what see what happens and um, and slowly you know you begin to develop this idea about you develop this uh, better sense of the ecology around that idea. I mean, I would say I'm doing that with artificial intelligence, honestly, I'm, uh, is that I'm just tossing out ideas out there right now on Twitter and, uh, and, uh, and seeing what sticks and thinking out loud, basically, um, and becoming a part of that uh, uh, environment that's talking about AI, I guess. Thank you. Yes, I'm very familiar with Ship 3430 and the way they perceive feedback on content content creation and all that but then i have to ask you about algorithms and i know part of the answer is it's part of the ecology but <laughs> many people will think actually you're not getting feedback from real people somehow but based on luck and the algorithm and what it likes and what it doesn't like it might promote your content or demote it somehow and therefore a great fantastic idea that can spread like wildfire could be taken over by some rumor or scandal or whatever it is that is hot in that day or in that moment you posted and therefore it's in many ways like the chinese curse where they say may you live in interesting times because if there are exciting things going on your achievements will not be noticed so <laughs> what are your thoughts yes. about algorithms what do you think I mean their effect on writing <laughs> is yeah i think that's an excellent idea i'm i'm no expert in algorithms for sure um, and you're right. I would say it's a part of the ecology. Um, uh, you are right. You know, if you're not writing without at least some idea of an algorithm in mind, then, you know, uh, then you're not being intentional about the ecology that you're writing in. But I would argue that um, algorithm is just part of what we would call the delivery of information. So or the, the delivery of our writing. Um, I think today it's important to interact with people. So, and actually we can influence the algorithm too by the, the different ways that we interact. So uh, I don't think it's a matter of just posting it on Twitter and seeing what happens. <laughs> um, it's, 
you know, finding other people and interacting with, uh, with their content. Uh, so if I'm writing about artificial intelligence, um, it's not just me about posting my idea. I want to go find other people writing about artificial intelligence, interact with what they're saying. Um, and I think probably the algorithm would reward um, <laughs> that eventually. But, but also, uh, you know, that in the end, that is how things become known or trend or whatever um, is, uh, is through interaction. Um, so we can't forget that there are humans in this digital network, um, not just algorithms. And I, I, that's probably a mistake that a lot of people make is that they just, uh, you know, they post it on their blog expecting people to come <laughs> or post it on Twitter um, uh, when really uh, it's about creating. If you're thinking about your ecology of writing, it's about creating that network of audiences. And so you have to actively create that network. At least that's how I'm interpreting what's going on in the creator economy, that you're, you're creating your reader base through interaction. Um, and sometimes you leverage the algorithm uh, for that. Sometimes you're doing it despite the algorithm, I would say. Um, and that, that would be my response um, to, that, to that issue. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Cummings. This was enriching, enlightening, a wonderful, wonderful experience where I had some very interesting insights. I wish you a wonderful day and to keep going. And if people want to learn from you, to follow you, to read your writing or poetry or anything you're up to, what are the best links for them to go? What are you working on right now? And I'll make sure to write your Twitter in the description. Yeah, so uh, uh, most of the, the, especially the stuff on AI, I've been posting on Twitter, which is at L-A-N-C-E-E-L-Y-O-T. Um, I do write on Medium. I'm going to start uh, writing, uh, uh, developing more long form stuff about artificial intelligence on Medium. There's nothing there right now, but um, and that's just at Lance Cummings on Medium. Um, the, uh, and, and then on LinkedIn, people can, uh, that's on fire right now. Um, so I've been posting on LinkedIn as well. So you can uh, follow me there as well. Thank you. And I wish you a good day. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure. It was fun talking about this. Mm -hmm.